0: From Seven CTOs, my name is Etienne de Bruyne, and you're in the CTO studio.
1: Hi, this is Nikolai Walker, and thanks for joining us today in the CTO studio. In today's episode, we continue with our discussion with FP Complete's VP of Engineering, Michael Sneumann. Michael introduces the concept of immutable infrastructures and digs a little deeper into Docker.
0: And is the is the value in codifying the infrastructure in that the fact that it can be sort of documented and versioned in a way versus just someone pointing and clicking?
2: There are there are multiple benefits. That's pr- what you just said is probably the biggest one: the fact that uh, it is that this works as documentation versus what we'd call the snowflake server, something that was manually crafted, you know, with love and care by an operator and now exists, but no one's quite sure how it came into existence. Just having those steps written down somewhere is incredibly valuable. Beyond that, though, the fact that we're able to rerun these things in the future in order to, for example, create a QA cluster and know that that QA cluster is going to match identically with what the production cluster is going to look like. That's a huge benefit for testing, or the fact Actually, that's that's probably the biggest one. We've used that in multiple cases. That ability to spin something up, run the full set of integration tests and have high levels of confidence that when we push that code to production, that thing is going to keep working.
0: Got it. So let's apply that then to the current uh, climate. CTOs have potentially... You know, made a cost thing decision or a, maybe incorrectly went sort of with the old school, let's just build stuff, see if it works, and then let's worry about scaling and replication at a later stage. I'm assuming that what you've seen in the last few weeks uh, have been as a result of that type of thinking. What, what, how, is that is that the case? And then how can how can we respond? Uh, you know, let let's say I am on the wrong. Let's say I did screw up, uh, and I'm talking about technical leadership. Like like, what is a good way to get out of that?
2: So most of the customers that we're working with right now uh, are customers we've had since before this crisis began. They're not responding reactively to the current crisis. Uh, due to our sales pipeline is going to put in a little bit of a lag. And we're going to start seeing those cases popping up going into the future. Uh, Customers who have come to us in the past have identified these problems for other reasons. It could be that they suddenly had a a much larger demand for their service. Uh, That's typically one of the uh, the, uh, big motivators. The other one is that they're having reliability issues and either their users are complaining or their operators are suffering. Uh, So the question is, When you're in that situation, whether it's due to a global catastrophe like we're in right now or maybe a massive success, whatever that case is, what's that first step that you're able to take? And the first thing, in general, would be that move to codification. Or one of the other terms that we like to use is immutable infrastructure, this idea that you should be creating some kind of an artifact. You should be able to test that artifact. Now, that artifact, in the old days, we'd probably be talking about a virtual machine image. would, would be an example. A Debian package might be another example. More recently, most people are moving towards, say, an AMI, a, a machine image in the cloud, or moving towards Docker images. And really be able to rely upon that, test that, and know that what the thing that you're deploying is the thing you actually think you're deploying. Mm-hmm.
0: So I like that. But with AMIs and uh, uh, instance images, um, aren't you just sort of creating a blueprint from a Snowflake server? Uh,
2: Initially, yes. In many cases, you are. Even just based off of that, you're in a a better situation. Uh, But then going forward, we're able to use quite a few tools to lock down the exact versions of software that we're using so that that can be recreated then going forward even further into the future, you can start making uh, minor modifications. Test out those individual modifications. Know that you're upgrading a version of a specific library on the system. Run the integration tests against that. And know that nothing else on the system has changed. One of the problems that often plagues the operations world is the devs may be using one set of libraries, one set of versions. Uh, and the application is perfectly well tested against that. It works on their local machines. That's that every operator hates hearing that phrase. It works on my machine. Uh, it's it's it, The problem is that they're right. It becomes a nightmare to be able to fix those problems. Getting that out of the way, even if it just means taking this handcrafted, terrifying Tower of Pisa kind of setup and just getting that into some kind of an artifact, at least now we're all talking the same language. We're all looking at the same thing, and we can debug this together. Mm-hmm.
0: what can i what what steps can we take to immediately mitigate the situation uh, i know i know it depends a lot on what the infrastructure is but i don't know if you can potentially uh just walk me through a sane list or sane thought pattern on on how to address that Uh, when you are in the crisis or when you are preparing for scaling or when you are at the beginning of a project uh, doing it? I know you said it's hard to talk about the canonical way of doing things, but I love how you said the first step is sort of, you know, going for that immutable, you know, codified infrastructure. Um, Are there other things that come to mind for you? And, And I know you know, if if not, we can just prepare it for the next time. But just, can you just rough on some ideas?
2: Oh no, definitely. Uh, just to clarify, when I say that there's no canonical way to do things, what I really mean is the canonical way to do things is changing, and everyone has a different opinion of them. Fortunately, I also have an opinion about them, and I'm happy to <laughs> happy to tell you what my opinion is. Uh, the first step that I would probably recommend to most teams is to work on Dockerizing their application. Figure out a way to get their full application running inside a Docker image. Now this obviously uh, depends on quite a few things. You know, most basic one being, are you actually running this thing on Linux? Uh, But that's where I'd get started. So Dockerizing uh, at at the most basic level would mean you're going to give a recipe for setting up a virtual machine with all of the dependencies for your application and put in the application itself. Let's take a a typical web application. And I've deployed something like this not too long ago. The web application might be written in Python. So you think that's great, I'll just copy over the Python file into the image and run it. And of course, the first thing that goes wrong is the Python interpreter isn't there. So of course, so now you've got to go in, now you've got to define what is the dependency. So fine, so you install Python and now you run into the fact that the, you know, whichever, uh, let's say it's Django, Django's not available. So you got to get that installed. And now you find out that the database library that you've been relying on isn't available. Or maybe your certificates, your SSL certificates, the, sorry, the CA certificates aren't available you keep running into these things, all of a sudden, all these issues that would have been a fight between dev and QA, or a fight between dev and DevOps, or operations, I should say, all those fights that would have happened, now it's all coming out earlier on in the process. Chef, Puppet, all of these configuration management systems definitely brought us much farther in the world. And they definitely have a place today. People are still using them in many cases. The big difference between uh, the two worlds is when and where the, the actions are being run. When you're talking about a chef or a puppet scenario, typically speaking, you're going to be running a provisioning script at runtime in order to set up that machine. Now, that exposes you to two problems. Problem one, is this introduces extra delay in getting your service deployed. So if you have a sudden surge in traffic, now you're waiting for 10 minutes while it's downloading a bunch of additional dependencies from from CPAN, if uh, I date myself with Perl. Uh, As it's downloading all these dependencies, you're sitting there, your users are sitting there unable to access your service. You want that up as quickly as possible. When you use a Docker image, you have a binary artifact that contains all of that the second problem and you know in my opinion from a correctness standpoint the more scary problem is the fact that you don't know exactly what you're going to be getting maybe the cpan server is down maybe maybe the internet is down maybe you suddenly aren't able to download things maybe and this one is the one that scares me even more maybe it's you're going to get a new version of one of your of your dependencies and all of a sudden the behavior of, app, of your application is going to change in a subtle way that you're not expecting.
1: All right, well, there you have it, folks. Three steps to prepare your infrastructure for scale, according to Michael. Number one, dockerize your app. Number two, build your pipeline for continuous deployments. And number three, refine your staging environment. Come back next week for part three, where we'll get into our production environment. Thank you again for being with me. This is Nikolai Walker in the CTO studio. If you need more CTO studio content, please just subscribe to the show and let us know. If you want more, we'll give you more. If you want less, we'll give you less. But the point is, we'll give you what you want in bite-sized chunks that will make you happy. Thank you again to Michael with FP Complete. Go check them out at fpcomplete.com. And as always, thank you to Etienne de Bruin with seven CTOs for finding these people. Go also go check out
0: 7ctos.com. Till next time, we'll see you again.